by Noble Knight Games, where out of print is available again, and listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics affiliate links. Hey, it's Eric Mona from Paizo Publishing, and you're in tune to the Tome. Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm your co-host, Tracy Hurley. In this episode, we're going to chat with Corinne Seabolt, a woman of many talents, editing, marketing, customer service, and a miniatures enthusiast. And first, though, we want to take the time to remind you about our sponsor, Noble Knight Games, an online store that specializes in finding out-of-print game products, but also carries new games as well. Our pick for the episode is Hobby Q, Learn to Paint Kit, Fantasy Classics by Reaper Miniatures. Uh, this set includes a baby dragon, baby hatching, hatchling, unicorn, knight, dinosaur, and angel of mercy, along with 16 master series paints, brushes, and instructions. All you need to get started. Noble Knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out-of-print games while also offering the newest great releases. Including D&D? They got it from any edition. That's right, all of them. What if I want a board game? Card game, minis, or dice? Noble Knight has it all, and at a discounted price. In fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock. And you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store with a satisfaction guarantee. Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more? Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight, then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade. So you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com. Wow, I'll go today. And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. And now we're back. Uh, welcome to the show, Corinne. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So this is our uh, traditional first question. How did you get into gaming? Well, I always wanted to. When I was 16, I had access to books and friends but not at the same time. So I had, I worked at umpteen zillion characters in GURP and never got the opportunity to play them. And then finally was able to start gaming at 30. Because <laughs> um, I just was finally able to. Um, no longer being Kermit. <laughs> awesome. And uh, my first game was a D&D 3-5 canned adventure with a very, very mixed party. Hmm. Oh, wow. As they could get in 3-5. There's lots yeah. of options. Oh, we had everything from uh, lawful evil to chaotic good in wow. one party. 
Did you have a, a GM that could keep them together? Yeah, um, remarkably. Um, and fortunately, it, it petered out before the lawful evil got me back for a first-timer's mistake. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I didn't realize that at the time that when you cast Burning Hands and the person in front of you is prone, they don't have the option to make a, uh, a dodge <laughs> check. Oh, wow. Well, it's good. For, I, I wouldn't have known that either, so now I know. Absolutely. In, in previous sessions, they, I had been told, oh, go ahead. We, 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 can, we can dodge this. Right. I, I, I find I find finding some way to put yourself in conflict with the other players is a great way to introduce yourself to a new group of gamers. It always goes well. Well, the thing was, we were up against Hobgoblin. We had started at the top of the heap, ruins, whatever, instead of the bottom, and we're working our way down. Mm-hmm. And No, it was a bugbear. And... So they were higher level than you expected? Well, yeah, but... And it was a very narrow passageway, and the dwarf was blocking it, and right. the... the No, the dark dwarf was blocking it, the halfling and the uh, dwarf were in front of the creature, mm-hmm. and again... I hadn't been told that right. you, you can't make a dodge if, if you're prone. Right. My character was a gnome, shorter than the dwarf in front of me. <laughs> so burning hands from between his legs <laughs> at, at the thing. And, yeah. Brilliant. I didn't, toast, I didn't toast them too badly, but it did take out the, the bugbear. Yay! So it was worth it. Great. He probably deserved it anyway. <laughs> well, he was lawful evil. See, see, he totally deserved it. He, he surely did something at some point that that earned it. It was just karma. Right. Fun time. <laughs> so, at some point in your uh, gaming adventures, you decided uh, that you liked miniatures. Was that before you started gaming or after? We don't want to. We don't want to paint you into a corner, you see. But we oh. really like to hear about miniatures tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bad pun. <laughs> Highest form of, of applause for, for a pun is a groan. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I was doing miniature gaming prior to uh, role play gaming. Okay. Um, I started out with uh, 40k. Okay. Um, a good friend of mine at the time introduced me to it, and so I, I was kind of weird with where I took it. I had an all-female army. It was Sisters of Battle and Demonette. It was a chaos army of Flanesh, all female. Wow. It was painting was down to the point of using a, a, a hair super glued to a toothpick as a brush, which I still do from time to time. Yeah, because in, in that game, the all of them come unpainted, and you have to paint them before you can play them, right? Depends on who you're playing with, Okay, but generally, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I've actually found that to be um, a way, a, a fairly common way of people getting into RPGs too, because my, uh, Jared, who we had on a few episodes ago, he started with the D&D minis, and then his friends, he he kept kind of making fun of D&D, and his friends were finally like, listen, if you're going to play with the minis, you, you have to play the actual game, too. Miniatures, <laughs> <laughs> it's a gateway drug. Right, exactly. So, so I'm guessing with the, because you need pretty big armies for um, the the game you're playing that you got pretty good pretty quickly at painting stuff up. Well, I I got a lot better over time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the first few were really not great at all. <laughs> but as I said, practice. Sure. <laughs> Now, I've, I'm somebody who's never been inclined to try out the miniatures painting. I feel like I already have a hobby called gaming, and, and painting is a whole other hobby j- that just supports this other hobby. Convince me. Wh- wh- why is miniature painting awesome? Do you want just a blob to represent your character in, in the game board? Or do you want it to look like your character? Okay, so so you you really enjoy it for the 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 fine detailed customization that you can put into a, a miniature. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, when I really started customizing, uh, you actually uh, Tracy, you know the the person in question. Uh, it was for Sue's. Okay. One. Yeah. Characters. Yeah. Um, we did not have anything that really looked like her character and the amazing artist that she is had drawn this just incredible character portrait and we didn't have anything that even remotely matched so I took one that we had several of the same sculpt and right down to mixing the colors to get as close a match as I could to make this random thing look like her character. Right. And I, and I think that's something we should point out here with uh, miniatures painting is that there, uh, and miniatures, customizing miniatures in general, I know we, we keep calling it miniatures painting, but it's also customization. There's a whole range of ways you can get into it. You can buy, you know, Miniatures are pre-done, do nothing really to them except for maybe add a base, because a lot of them, you do have to add a base to them. Uh, you, you can just paint them, or you can learn how to do the sculpting or the changing out the weapons and, and stuff like that, Yay, too. bashing. <laughs> what Sean likes to call me the eviscerator. Oh. I, I will, at times, we will get minis in bulk. It's easiest with the plastic ones, but is also doable with metal. Like I said, far easier with plastics. Right. And okay, I want this arm and this head and those pair of, that pair of pants black and just cut into pieces part and reassemble. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, to do all of this. You- because we were when we were at the uh, Queen City Conquest, you were starting to talk a little bit about your work area. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how you have that set up? The pub as a whole, or my specific little 
You can talk about your your specific little corner. The pub's awesome, too, but... (laughs) Yes, I converted the two-car garage into a gaming pub. Um, (laughs) But my little corner is set up with... Well, it's it's a combination of my corner slash mini storage. Mm -hmm. The previous owner of the house was an HVAC person, and he had these built-in drawers for nuts and bolts and whatnot. They are now filled with minis. Uh, Usually the, like, monsters of this kind, this mass troop here, that kind of thing. But then we have little plastic shoeboxes that have the more fantasy-oriented or modern or what have you. Um, And those are right beside my desk that is with the magnifying light that I almost never use. Um, And, oh my goodness, the paint. Reaper has a lot of my money. (laughs) (laughs) Lots and lots and lots of my money. (laughs) Um, And as of now, I, I did an inventory yesterday, actually. Um, I'm only missing 86 of the regular colors. <laughs> there are a lot of colors. Say, how many colors are there? Oh God. Um, <laughs> are we talking? Th- are we talking thousands? Hundreds. Okay. Um, eh, about 300 ish. Okay. And so you have uh, you uh, have you have a good more than two thirds of them, huh? Oh yeah. Um, and one thing I love, love, love about Reaper paint is their trios, where they have the base color, the shadow, and the highlight, just all boom, 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 right together, which makes shading so much easier. Wait. So, and kind of uh, starting to talk about, because that sounds more like a... a kind of a, a tool thing or something to look out for. So let's say Jeff, after this, decides he wants to start uh, painting uh, minis. What do you think would be the very first things he should go out and get? Because I'm not going to go out and buy 200 and some paints. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, actually, the product that you mentioned uh, as your pick for the show uh-huh. is probably a really good place to start. Sweet. Um, good pick. Huh? I said good pick. Yeah. They have, in their ki- in their starter kit, they have a good basic variety of colors. Generally a flesh tone, a brown, a black, a white, and maybe some of the more colorful options. Um, and But what you'll want to start with is that a good spray on like spray paint type primer okay in any so I, 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 I something i can just go pick up at, a, at the hardware store or is there a specific kind of primer that i need um it's easiest if you go to a hobby shop okay and like uh your your friendly local game store will likely have a uh selection of primers okay either black or white is generally best um, although Army Painter has 
some really good uh, colors available if you're doing a more colorful piece and want to skip a step. <laughs> right. Okay. Because I actually uh, have a miniature I got uh, for free with something I bought at Gen Con, and, I, and I've been contemplating picking up some things and figuring out how to paint this paladin. Um, for a paladin, you'll probably want a metallic for the armor. Mm -hmm. Um, so easiest to work with would be a black primer. Okay. That way it's the metallic really pops. Um, and it helps with shading. Um, but your basic armor color, hair color, face color. And you can use just a black dot for the eyes. That's what a lot of people do. I'm kind of OCD about that. <laughs> <laughs> and do the actual iris color as well. Hmm. Um, the smaller the brush, the better. Okay. Uh, we're talking like an 18-0, which is like really fine small number of hairs to it. Now, now for that using that for smaller details and accents, do I do I also want a small a larger brush for doing bigger areas like the the armor and whatever? Actually, the small brushes are best for the armor as well. That okay. way you have a bit more control and you're not accidentally getting it up on another part just to have to paint back over it again. Okay. Um, I find it easiest, like, for the face. You do your priming, and then just a splash of white across the eye area, and then do your either black dot or iris color, and then go in and be careful putting on the flesh tone. Uh-huh. Far so easier than trying to insert the white and eye color on top of the flesh. Sure. Because then you'll wind up with, like, huge anime eyes. Unless yeah. you're doing an anime figure, <laughs> which there are some really cool ones out there. Sure. Um, but generally easier to go the other way around. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Now, you mentioned that since I'm, since I'm doing armor, uh, using a, a black primer would be a good idea. In what instances would I want to use a white primer? Um, softer colors. Like, if you're doing, like, pale, like, pinks or light blues or light greens, that kind of thing. Okay. So maybe the wizard's robe and that kind of stuff would, in a lighter color, yeah. would, would go well. Okay. And you also mentioned, um, you also mentioned something about shading and highlighting colors at one point. Uh, now, yeah. I'm, I'm a rookie, so what are you talking okay. about? I, I've got a three-dimensional miniature. It creates its own shade, right? It, it has natural shadows. To a degree, but <laughs> but not as much as in real life. Now, one way to get around doing the shadow-based highlight is to first do the color you want, then put a, uh, a wash over it, like a really watered-down black or brown, just to darken those nooks and crannies. So you just take and that dark, you just take that dark color and, and mix it with a bunch of water. Yes. 
Okay. Like, say, one or two drops of color to, like, ten drops of water. And just paint that over the whole thing after you've got the, the base on? Yeah, and then go over it again in your base color. Mm-hmm. But not everywhere. Okay. Just on the parts you want to really shine. Right, Okay. And one thing that a lot of people forget to do, including me when I was learning, and even now sometimes we'll get in a hurry and need the mini, like, now, (laughs) is to seal it. Once you get it painted the way you want it, seal that sucker. Um, For that, testers, matte, uh, spray seal is the best thing in the world. Okay. And if you don't seal it, then what's the, what's the risk? Chipping or wearing off of the paint. Okay. So short term, if you know you need that miniature right now, you could probably get away with it, and then yeah. and then seal it after that first don't session. Throw it around. Or anything. All right. Sure. Okay. Of course, I wouldn't recommend that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, earlier, you were talking about the two different. The two main types of uh, materials for minis, uh, metal and plastic. Could, could you talk a little bit about the differences between them and why you might want one over the other? Well, there's also resin. Okay, resin. Um, so, three main types. Plastic, very easy to work with, does not get easily damaged. Resin, lightweight like the plastic, but sturdy as far as holds its shape better than the plastic, um, but tends to be more fragile. So if, if you're using resin, really you don't want to drop it on like concrete. Sure. Um, metals are great. They are the most hold their shape generally have the good deep sculpts, but they tend to be really heavy. And if you're using um, certain terrains, they they can warp your stuff. Right. Um, if you're not really paying attention. Sure. Uh, my personal preference is the plastic, okay. but that's just me. They're and, also much, much cheaper. And, and is the painting different depending on the material, you, the, the material of the miniature? Or is it follow um, the same basic procedure? Basic procedure, yes, but it's far more important that you prime uh, the metal mm, okay. than the plastic. Um, the resin, it helps, but it's not as necessary. In my experience, all of this is my experience. Your mileage may vary. Sure. Yeah. Okay, good. And, and I imagine the uh, going the, the plastic or even the resin route makes it easier when it comes time to move on to the more, slightly more advanced stages here where we start customizing miniatures. Yeah, much. Um, so, unless you want to deal with pinning and all that. It's far easier to just glue two flat pieces together 
of plastic mm-hmm. than it is to with teeny tiny drill drill holes in two pieces and insert a tiny little wire to hold them together (laughs) in addition to the glue that may not hold. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) See, I thought you were going to say you had to get out and and solder it together, too. I've been tempted. (laughs) Next step, huh? I've been sorely, sorely tempted. (laughs) I want to start welding them. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit a little bit about this idea of customizing, where you're taking multiple minis and, and hacking them apart and making them into something completely unique and, and original. Because I, I imagine uh, we're going to call that uh, a more for more advanced users you know, who want who want to go a step beyond just painting the miniatures. Uh, talk about that, how it works, what do you do, all that. Okay. Now, some of the metals are designed to be customizable. Um, for example, uh, certain of the Reaper ones, the Chronoscape line especially comes to mind, where it will have your body and then an assortment of hands, some holding various weapons or other items, and you pick which ones you want to use. Some of the Warhammer, Mm -hmm. those are also generally designed to be customizable with little fiddly bits that you put together. Okay. Um, as far as just flat out kit bashing and hack apart reassemble, um, you can do that with pretty much any, but it's far easier with the plastics and the resins. Um, what I tend to do for Christmas a couple of years ago, I got Sean a case of hero clicks and he got me two cases of horror clicks <laughs> that's love <laughs> yeah it is um and I've, I've used a lot of them as parts hmm. and ebay is a wonderful wonderful resource um for buying in bulk sure again for parts um it's really it's just a matter of trial and error. And at the prices you can get stuff for on eBay, if you mess up, meh, you're not out great gobs of money. Right. Um, it's just a matter of be willing to play with it. Be willing to experiment. So let's get a little bit more a little bit more into the details here. Okay, so I want to take the arms off of this miniature and put it onto the body of that miniature. How do I actually take those arms off? I mean, I imagine I'm not just taking, you know, uh, wire cutters to it or something because that's, that's going to mess up the, the shape. So, so what do I do? How do I take it off? How do I put it back on? How do I make sure it's going to stay? Okay. If it is resin or um, plastic, it's really easy. You take an X-Acto knife hmm. and just slice it open. Well, not open, but slice <laughs> off at the joint. <laughs> sure. Um, it's really easy when something, when your figure has, for example, uh, gauntlets. That's a, if you want to sw- swap out hands or mm-hmm. arms. Uh, cutting them at the seam of a feature on the sculpt. 
so that your theme is less noticeable. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask about that later. Because I've seen, I've seen a lot of uh, – I've seen customized miniatures at the table before and sometimes the seams are really obvious and, and it, it, I don't know. It's, it's not really appealing to me. Do you have any tips on, on hiding those seams really well or, or cutting it precisely enough that you don't have very uh, noticeable seams? Precise cuts are really good. Um, one thing that I have found that helps tremendously is something that Citadel has. It's liquid green stuff. Hmm. Um, green stuff, the uh, sculpting epoxy that most miniatures are at some point <laughs> based on. Uh, that's what a lot of the sculpts are done with originally. Kind of like army men? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Um, but the liquid green stuff you can paint that stuff on. Hmm. Um, actually, one uh, customization that I did for our housemate was her character, the character in question is a 12-foot-tall ogreth. Um Pathfinder has a really spiffy ogre mini, but it had skulls on it and uh, had a club, and she doesn't use a club. She uses a dock pole as a weapon. Um, and the armor was just not right. So I stippled green. First, I sliced off the skull with that handy dandy exacto, and then stippled on the liquid green stuff all over to make pseudo chainmail. Nice. And just sort of pouncing a stiff brush to do the texture, which also hid where I sliced off those skulls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later it got painted. And then the where the hand was holding the club sliced off most of the club from the hand and then took a bamboo skewer... <laughs> And got it wet and whittled a bit on the end to make a dock pole tip, mm-hmm. which I then painted silver, um, cut it in half, and stuck a little sphere on the other end, um, and then glued that to either side of the hand where the club had been. Right. Very cool. So, and it sounds like you both work in in painting your own miniatures and customizing those, as well as working with the the pre painted plastic miniatures and customizing what already exists there. Um, what, which and do, I repaint the pre painted. And you and you repaint them. Of course, you. Why wouldn't we? <laughs> uh, what, which which of those do you prefer to work on? Do you like starting with something that's already sort of there and you can you can tweak it, or do you like starting from scratch, or does it depend on the project? It depends on the project. And we use all kinds of stuff, um, from the clicks to the D&D and Pathfinder and Star Wars, etc. minis, clue figurines, <laughs> O-scale railroad figures. Wow. Um, just, you name it. It's, 
anything can be used. It's just a matter of what you're willing to see when you look at it. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you have to train yourself a bit to do that as well. So when you're out at the hobby store and, and you're seeing things, you have, you're used to looking at it and thinking of it in, in secondary ways or what else could you t- turn that into? Pretty much. Also, jewelry findings are lovely. Oh, very good. Little pieces of necklace chain make great um, chains for escaped slaves. Right. So, uh, with all of this uh, vast experience, uh, do you have a like one or two favorite projects that you've worked on? Um, oh gosh, um, actually the, the, the Ogres that I mentioned is probably my top favorite. Okay. Just because she was, and I looked for probably a year to try and find a female ogre. It is really hard to find <laughs> female ogres and orcs and such. Right. Um, which that is starting to improve, thank goodness, but it makes it a challenge. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, but it w- it's such an important character to that game that I really wanted her to have the right figure for her. Um, and the way she turned out, I honestly, I could not be prouder. Because custom mixed the color for the skin, uh, did the slicing and the re-tooling of the uh, armor, all of it. Right. She was the, probably the most involved I've ever done. <laughs> Now, have you ever have you ever, have you ever had a, a situation where you spent all kinds of time customizing a miniature for a player, and then that character dies in the next session? <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> I could just see I could just see you know you spend all this time on this ogre and you love this ogre, and then you know she dies in the, in the very next game. And, oh well, start back to the drawing um, board. I, I can actually top that. Okay. <laughs> um, one of our players had a squad of five. Um not quite sidekicks, but a squad of, of followers. And each one had his own specific appearance. Right down to acne on one of them. Um, and I had customized these dudes to look just like they were described, right down to mixing an acne color and inserting with a super fine needle into the face of the miniature. Um, <laughs> which, let me tell you, that was interesting. Um, and then within a month or so, the character who they were following left the game going a different direction, and the player switched to a different character entirely. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I hope. I mean, in, in the in the 
the age, uh, you know, in the age where people have boxes and boxes and boxes full of pre-painted minis, which probably aren't as as customized or aren't as beautiful or or specific as the things you create, but but you can kind of get by on them. Or in, in a time in a situation where like that, where you spend all the time customizing all these miniatures, and then well, that character's gone, and, and so are all the, so are all of the followers. Um, I hope there's a joy to be found in painting beyond just. The, the miniatures at the table. Uh, the process itself, I hope, is worthwhile in, on its own. Oh, yeah. It, it's an enjoyable hobby in and of itself. It's the juxtaposition of the two that makes it just an incredible joy. So talk, I mean, talk about the, the love of that process. What is it about the process that you really enjoy? Seeing the transformation. Okay. The, the sense of accomplishment in going from this base, in some cases, blank slate that's just a shape, to seeing it practically come to life as the layers of paint, etc., go on. Um, it, it's like any... I, well, I won't get a great artist in, in saying that it's like that, but for me, the sense of accomplishment is, I imagine, similar. Okay. Just seeing the transformation going from blank slate to, wow, that looks cool, that looks just like I had this, this character pictured. Right. I mean, and I, I think it, it definitely is an art but at the very least it also would be similar to you know anyone who's doing those sorts of things like cosplay and, and other things like that where there's a lot of art and uh thought and problem solving even that goes into recreating these things yeah like trying to get the weight distributed just right so the mini will stand up exactly <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's been an issue. <laughs> it, it's enough of a skillful art form that that I have yet to uh, dip my toe into that water. Uh, mostly out of fear that I'm going to mess something up, and then that miniature that I thought was going to be really cool is going to now be lame because I can't paint. Simple, simple solution: if you paint something and you don't like the way it turns out, just dunk it in simple green and start over. Okay. There's, there's, Simple Green is the greatest miniature paint stripper there is. Oh, so that's a that's a paint stripper. It's not just it's not just putting basically a new base on it and starting over. It's it's strip off the old. Yeah, it, it, I wouldn't suggest it for the pre-painted plastics. Sure. But for the metals and the resins, rock on. Okay. Cool. Um. And Simple Green, the the non-allergenic all-natural cleaning stuff. Yeah, that. <laughs> and, and if I've already sealed the mini, is is it too late to simple green and clean it off? Uh, yeah, it might take a couple of dunks. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> or scrub it with a toothbrush. Because I could, I, could, I could see somebody, you know, starting off with, with a mini, being satisfied with their first attempt, but recognizing it's the first attempt, and then, you know, six months down the road, having a lot more practice and saying, you know what, I want to go back and fix that first one that I did now that I know what I'm doing. Don't uh, paint back over it. So it's, don't. It's, unless you have really globby paint that is obscuring the sculpt, mm -hmm. just 
painting over it is not a bad thing. Okay. And depending on the color choices, it could be added protection from chipping. Okay, sure. Or wearing. Awesome. So multiple options, whether it's stripping it off with the the simple green or whether it's uh, just painting over it again. And and I imagine painting over it and then resealing it a second time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anything else we need to know about painting miniatures? I feel like I've got a a stronger grasp of it now. And yet it still feels feels like way more skill than I have. (laughs) Start out with simpler sculpts and then work your way up. Um, things that have really intricate fiddly bits can be a pain in the butt. But at the same time, sometimes those fiddly bits, you can get away with murder just by doing a base coat and then a wash. And the wash will fill in those sculpt crevices Hmm. and give it depth that a paintbrush would have difficulty with. Cool. Cool. Really, it all depends on what you're wanting to do. Main thing is, don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to play with them. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, you got it for free. That's true. I did get it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I, I still feel like I might have to wait wait a few years when my when my I don't have a two year old in the house before I start painting and leaving miniatures around the house to dry. <laughs> I could see a disaster there um, really fast. Do you have a bookshelf? I, I do have a bookshelf, yes. Just leave it up high, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, good. Tracy, My daughter was six when I started painting, so. Uh-huh. Well, good. Tracy, any uh, last questions? No, I'm all set. All right. Well, thanks for uh, joining us, uh, Karen. Thank you for having me. And and if people want to find you anywhere on the internet, is there a specific place they should go? Uh, Facebook. <laughs> Gaming Facebook. Buttercup. <laughs> Gaming Buttercup? Yeah, well, or just search for me by my name or look for Sean Pat Bennett. Or <laughs> okay. Very good. Yeah, you mentioned Sean, uh, I think, t- a few times now. Uh, we should mention to to our uh, listening audience who Sean is. He's not, uh, he's not exactly a nobody in, in the gaming uh, field as well. Yeah, uh, my fiance Sean Patrick Fannin, uh, he wrote the Fantasy Role Playing Gamers Bible. He did several products for uh, Hero System. He uh, most recently uh, did Shintar, uh Legends Arise, and um, fairly recently finished the Kickstarter for uh, Legends Unleashed and thirty some odd. Uh, follow-on products for the line, uh, which are in progress. Um, and he's worked for, he's worked on a few different iterations of Star Wars, and he, he's done a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, yeah, I mean, and that's what I wanted to make sure people understood, is that when we, we've mentioned Sean without any context uh, several times now, and we just wanted to make, yeah. make a note. Uh, he's been in the industry, but, but uh, most importantly to, to our tales, he's your fiancé, and so you are um, around him a lot. Uh, and also, yeah. uh, if people had gone to Gen Con, they might have met you, right, Corinne? Yes, um, at Gen Con, I'm 
pretty much every Gen Con wind up being Booth Monkey for uh, Tom Tullis at Fat Dragon. Ah, very good. Which is, since you're talking about minis, mm-hmm. um, Fat Dragon does wonderful uh, printable terrain. Yeah, I have I have several uh, Fat Dragon uh, buildings and towers and things up in my uh, gaming corner. Aren't they great? They're they're good. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's good to you, you just pull out the little um, the little accent pieces. You know, I have my big my big map on the ground uh, on the on the mat like normal. But then I when there's a big standing circle portal, I I have my actual three three dimensional standing circle portal that I can throw out there. And you know, just little accent pieces are, are a lot of uh, really useful sometimes too. Yeah, and the trees and and the little treasure chests and whatnot are great. But now we're promoting people who aren't even on the show. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to thank you for joining us. We also want to thank our listeners who are shopping over at Noble Knight and letting them know that that the Tome Show sent them. Uh, We also want to thank you for using our affiliate links over at Amazon and D&D Classics. Uh, And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email to thetomeshow at gmail.com or call us on our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And this has been episode 223, where we learned how to create mini-me's out of our characters in this episode of... The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone. I'm on the wall.